Hello. Hey there. Oh, did you want to say something, Carla? Go ahead. No. Oh, okay. I'm going to mute you out then, or you can self-mute. All right. So happy to be with you. Happy Ascension Pathway. So grateful for our opportunity to dive in together. And let us joyfully take that breath of love and gratitude and say yes to our awakening. Yes to our ascension. Yes to our healing, the clarity, the love, the peace, the joy, the freedom that we're calling forth. So grateful and so thankful to open our mind, our inner sight, and to consciously connect and commune with the higher Holy Spirit self. We are grateful and thankful to join together for this holy purpose of our awakening. Grateful and thankful to allow ourselves to recognize and remember the truth that I am that I am and I am one with the I am presence of every being everywhere so grateful that this is so taking this breath of love and gratitude together we open ourselves to a healing this is the intention of our gathering of our class to be in a place of healing to be in a place of expansion together, joining together for this holy purpose of remembering we're already as holy as holy can be. So what I know and claim for us is that all illusions and delusions fall away and we recognize our perfection. We see it in each other. We are the two or more who are gathered in the name and the nature of the Christ for the purpose of our awakening and we rejoice that this is so we share the benefits with all beings because we're one with them and in deep and abiding gratitude we allow our healing to be and so it is amen 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 <sighs> indeed yes Well, first I'd like to say it was so wonderful to be in person with members of our group. It was just so lovely to have that time with folks in North Carolina. And I'm so grateful to everyone who made the effort to come so that we could all be together. And I know there was a lot of expansion and clarity that came forth. I'm sure it will ripple out into our sacred circle of classmates and one of the things that we explored a bit more about is ascension and awakening and I in doing the one-on-ones with people which I'm going to take a break now for about uh, two weeks on doing one-on-ones and I'll be posting more dates in my calendar so that anybody else who would like to do that one-on-one time with me can have that opportunity so that'll be uh, I don't know June 9th or 10th we'll, I'll start doing those again I'm going to take a uh, rest 
So uh, next week there are no classes. It's Memorial Day, so traditionally we do that. We will have community calls. You all should have gotten a detailed schedule, and uh, there's also a schedule posted on your announcements page at the Ascension Pathway site. So you can see all the community calls there. The community calls will go on this weekend and next weekend as scheduled. We don't ever take a break from the community calls. And then uh, when I am in Greece, I'm leaving uh, not long after this class, uh, when I am in Greece, we, our Ascension Pathway class uh, schedule will remain the same. We don't need to change time. So um, uh, that will be the same. But the year one, two, and three classes will change. And so they're going to swap community calls with classes. So I'm going to do the year one and two classes on Saturday and the year class, three class on Sunday. And then we'll have the bonus class with Venerable as usual on Tuesday. And uh, so, like I said, I sent out detailed information and uh, you can check it out on your website. And you'll get reminders, of course. And uh, it's wonderful to hear you showing up in other community calls and sharing. That's just lovely. And uh, I feel your love and support extending to the whole community, and it's making such a difference in people's lives. So you're being truly of service, and the benefit is felt by many. Hmm. So... Uh, the last few classes, we've been talking about the initiations necessary for us to make our ascension in the light. And so we talked about the first initiation in the temple of God's will, working with the blue flame. And then the second initiation in the temple of divine wisdom and working with the law of cause and effect and then in the third temple the temple of divine love working with being unconditionally loving and harmonious uh, with everyone regardless of how agitating the people that we're living with working with interacting with seem to be that uh, we're, uh, as I read from the Seven Sacred Flames about this fourth, uh, third initiation, I shared, and I think it's just so, I'm going to read it again because it's, um, I think it's so important to cognize this. So, those who have successfully passed the initiations of the second temple are then taken to the third temple, the temple of love, under the great protection and guidance of the beloved Paul the Venetian. Here, the neophyte must learn the discipline of unconditional love and harmony for their own life stream and for all other forms of life. So it's a discipline. Reverend Michael would call it a discipline, but sometimes it doesn't seem that blissful. Uh, I definitely know that. And so I think it's really helpful. At least it has been to me 
to think of the discipline of unconditional love and harmony. So it's not just that we're expressing it and revealing it. It's a discipline. We're training our mind to stay focused on every opportunity to express unconditional love and harmony. True compassion. So it says they are placed in living quarters with those who have within themselves tendencies which are particularly aggravating to others. This is where the numbers of neophytes dwindle. And with great feeling of relief, many candidates rush to the door and leave us. Okay, so this is where a lot of people say, I can't do it, it's just too hard, they collapse. But you know what? This is the lifetime where we are completing this initiation. And that's what I hear many of you sharing about. Many of you, if not all of you. So it says, to live peacefully with one's fellow men is one of the greatest tests of the unascended state. Although the graciousness, the beauty, the kindliness of Master Paul are so astonishing as to melt a heart of stone, the discipline he requires in learning tolerance, compassion, and understanding is such that few survive. Now, I, I hold that we all have the ability to survive and go on to the next temple. And I would love to take some of our class time here and really examine those of you who know you have been in this initiation, you're still in this initiation. What have you learned? What are you learning? Because there are some that perhaps have not gone through this or completed it, and we can harvest the wisdom of those who have been or are going through this, and we can share. I, as you know, have shared a lot about my experiences with family and friends and sweethearts where it has felt excruciating, just absolutely excruciating. Aggravating is a very good word for it. Uh, that uh, we are placed in living quarters with those who have within themselves tendencies which are particularly aggravating to others. Imagine walking in the world and that's your assignment, to be particularly aggravating to others. Now, the thing is, is when we can hold that high watch, that space, that light of love, and see the truth, the Christ in them, they are healed as we are healed because we are one. So this is the gift we give to the whole world, not just ourselves. All right, I'm going to take us interactive. And so you may need to self-mute. And here we go. I'm going to ask people to say hello. Actually, I'm going to start with the people on the west coast um, of the United States. We'll start there. So anybody on the West Coast who'd like to say hi? Carla, hello. Hi, Carla. Mary Christine, hello. Hello. 
All right, and then we've got some people. Well, I'm not sure if you're in Mountain Time. Kazi, are you in Mountain Time? Yeah, Mountain Time. This is Kazi. Hi. <laughs> Hi. All right, and then we've got some people in uh, on the East Coast, so we can start with the northernmost part. This is Karen. Hey, Karen. Oklahoma Karen, but I'm in Boston, actually. <laughs> yes. This is Sally in Toronto. Mm-hmm. This is Lawrence in Boston. Hey, Lawrence. And then we have uh, our um, sole European here with us today. Hi, this is Lydia. Hey, Lydia. Hi. All right, so that's everybody on the phone right this minute. And Karen, I don't know if you're in a position to share. I know you've shared recently in the community calls, but uh, which just uh, has warmed my heart the last few times you've shared in the community calls because you, I know, had such high intention and you have really been in the thick of it for a few years now, particularly the last year. You and Rich. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> what would you like me to share? Just um, any uh, anything that you can share that you've learned and gleaned from this experience of really feeling, I mean, based on what you've shared with us and with me, uh, there's no question that your, particularly your daughter, you have found her uh, aggravating to live with. Okay. All right. So, <laughs> for the, uh, yes. Uh, so, as people know, we, we uh, went and were with my New York daughter who was diagnosed with breast cancer last October and lived there for three months. I found new depths of angst, pain, misery, and depression that I had not experienced in years to that intensity. I was crying. I was hopeless and when we had our end of the year phone call I felt like a complete flunky in terms of masterful living and that I was the weight in my family rather than the fulcrum of peace and joy. So uh, then we went back to Oklahoma City and uh, I felt like I had gotten a get out of jail free card and I got there and resumed my practice and uh, you know it's kind of like Running uh, or any habit you have in your life, if you get off the wheel for a while, you think it's going to be hard getting back on. But, in fact, it was I was so excited to get back on the wheel that um, the learning started coming quickly. And, uh, really, I was inspired and motivated by my prayer partners and uh, one of my friends in Oklahoma City. And, you know, they were all so encouraging and so lifting. And, uh, you know, I felt like I was, when I was in New York, I was just hanging down by a thread. Uh, and uh, Holy Spirit just threw so many things. It wasn't just my daughter. I mean, I, I broke my rib. I couldn't run. And I was away from my friends. And it was just horrible. Anyway, um, right, so what I've done is uh, one person suggested reading Zero Limits. So I reread it. And that time it just went in and I was like getting it, and I think I've said it's like the the experience of Helen Keller when she'd been learning all those 
words from her teacher, but they made no sense. And then one day she understood water, and she ran around, and all of a sudden she understood everything. And I feel like that's really what's happened. It's like I've been saying the words, I've been doing the lessons, I've been doing the practices, and then it all came together. And now I really get it that I am responsible for everything I see, and I choose the feelings I feel. And now I wake up in the morning, and I understand that my to-do list is to clean and clear all of the false beliefs and opinions and judgments I have nurtured for years, and I am living in bliss. There you go. <laughs> so I don't know. Yeah, go ahead. Well, I think it's so important to note that in December, which was about let's say six months ago, <clears throat> you were you were uh, as you said, you felt like a failure. You felt like a fraud. You felt hopeless in a, to a certain degree. And you were really despairing, really, really despairing. So there was some confusion and upset and a lot of um, remorse that I recall and really feeling like a failure. That was six months ago. But you didn't give up. Well, we have so much support in this masterful living, and I have awesome prayer partners. And the thing is, is that I think we all know that uh, that divine voice, that higher Holy Spirit self is there. And I knew it was there. I just knew that the surface was in tumult and chaos, and uh, it was a matter of returning to the quiet space and recommitting and also learning what it's just it all came into place it was learning that it's not about doing the morning meditation as so much as being willing to apply it all day long and i now get your your talk about being 10 percent in 50 percent in and you know i would venture to say i'm as 100 percent in as i know how to be right now uh because I'm fully committed from the moment I wake up uh, to recognize my judgments, and I'm just laughing at myself at all the little things that now are coming up, and they seem little, but they're all the mm -hmm. same. And I'm growing in my willingness to really recognize that the angst, pain, sorrow, despair, lack, or whatever that I'm perceiving in other people, uh, the pattern I'm completely focused on letting go of now is any thinking that they're wrong or they need to correct, I need to correct. Mm -hmm. I am projecting it on them. And so I had a conversation with my sister yesterday. And at the end of it, I said, well, I have a lot of work to do here. So I'll see you later. And we had the most wonderful visit. I, I could tell you literally dozens of miracles that have occurred, even to the point where the other day, Rich and I saw one of our grandkids get hurt and start crying and being really upset. And I winked at Rich, and we started to do Ho'oponopono with him, and he stopped. And he, his, everything stopped, and he just got really happy. 
I mean, it's <laughs> like that. It's really like that. And I think I mentioned last week that we came out here and decided to buy a house, a condo in Rhode Island with Rich's brother. And uh, it, everything is happening so fast and so easily. And Rich was just saying about an hour ago, and, you know, a bigger deal, harder and more, because we were out here listening to trust class three. And it's like, that's just doubt coming. And it has been ridiculously easy and we're thrilled and it meets all of the criteria that we were not looking for and found. (laughs) So there are so many manifestations of it. And I'm completely clear that I have more work to do, but I'm looking forward to it Mm -hmm. because I've got, you talked about faith and trust and, uh, you know, the trust is there and the faith is the practice and I am thrilled to do it. Mm -hmm. You know, I think one of the things to point out here too that you've hinted at is, uh, or you've said is, and I'll say it a little differently, which is that when I decided to go all in, it didn't mean that I wouldn't find many times a day when my intention wasn't loving, you know, when I was in judgment or uh, feeling a sarcastic comment coming up or feeling a sense of uh, like, you know, pull to self-medication or even self-medicating. Um, there were still those things going on many times a day, but not unconsciously. So yeah, I I, go ahead. I, I agree. Yeah, I, I I agree because now I understand the upset really is an opportunity to heal, mm-hmm. and it's it at first it didn't make sense to me, and I felt in December that so much was coming up at the time. Well, what was coming up was my limited belief about uh, my ability to do the work, which now I'm really grasping at a different level that uh, when I place all of my faith and trust, then there is no limiting belief. And I found myself saying that the other day, like, wow, this has been a full day of cleaning and clearing. And then I was like, yeah, so what? That's all I'm here to do. Right, right. And I'm sleeping better and uh, everything in form that supposedly needs to get done is getting done so easily and it's fun. And I was reading your blog about friends and I'm making new friends out here, the seller of the condo. I know she and I are are friends. We're going to be kindred spirits. We're already at that place. And so it's a fun, fun thing to feel free and then I go back to finding freedom and it's like all of this is coming together in a way that to me is the harvest and you know it takes a while sometimes to harvest that's all here we are right exactly you have to be willing to be the patient farmer right you know like a a patient farmer might be uh, think of a someone who's growing fruit trees. It's going to be years before those fruit trees are going to really be bearing fruit. 
the way that is envisioned. So you're nurturing it all along the way. Right. So give me just a moment here. So as you said, the the main thing is to recognize that the divine alarm clock is going off, showing you the opportunity to have a healing if you choose it. And once we really get the hang of it, it's a sign that our willingness is very high. Very, very right. high. And I love what Lydia shared in a community call recently where, uh, and Lydia, I'd love to have you share more about this. You you said that you were, you were challenged with uh, procrastination, resistance, reluctance, all the same thing, and that you were aware that you could say to yourself, oh, that's just delaying tactics. I think that that's the word that you had for it. Am I correct? Yeah, I didn't use that word, but um, oh. yeah. That's what what, did, what was what was the word that you used? I was talking about excuses. Mhm. Excuses. Oh, that's right. That's just excuse. Yep, that's just an excuse. That's just an excuse for what? Um yeah, I was talking about when people or or myself I would like to do something, but then I think, oh, the weather, the weather is not good, or um, maybe it's going to take longer than I think it is, or, you know, all those thoughts that uh, come up in my mind to not do what I would like to do. Am I clear? Yes. Yep. So I, I thought that was really, really helpful to everyone, Lydia, that when there's a sense of procrastination, when there's a sense of resistance or reluctance, to call it out as an excuse. And then Spirit said to me, it's a delay tactic. Mm-hmm. So an excuse, a delay tactic. And I think uh, both of those are more helpful than procrastination, resistance, and reluctance. So I would like to ask Karen if you can tell us how you now perceive uh, your experience and see some of the things that have gone on, let's say, in the last year that you can see now in your own mind it was delaying tactics or excuses that was is a is a better description of some of the stuff that was coming up for healing. Does that make sense? Well, yeah, I, I'm not sure I would use the word delaying tactics. It just felt like the right time for me. Right. So, uh, I, as I was growing my willingness and gathering. It, it, for me, frankly, it's like taking a class, and it just, you know, you, I studied for, you know, six years to be a speech pathologist, and I didn't get it the first year or the second year. But the deeper I got into it and the more committed I got, 
the clearer it got. And then when I actually did my training, my internship, and actually was doing it, then I got a lot smarter about it. So to me, it's just the persistence and the willingness. And, you know, I didn't get A's on everything in college, but I didn't get A's on everything in Masterful Living, but that's not the point. The point is the willingness to continue doing it until you do get it. And, you know, the course tells us, you know, the end is certain. A happy outcome to all things is sure, and no one can fail. Who seeks to reach the truth? Well, how, how, how easy is that to have somebody encouraging you that way day after day? It will happen. Only the time in which I take it is my choice. Yeah, exactly. So when uh, when we're feeling despair, when we're feeling that uh, upset and the judgments are coming thick, fast, and furious, we can actually look at it and say, these are excuses for not waking up. I'm judging my brother and my sister. It's an excuse for not waking up. Okay. Um, I just felt, I think, guilty and bad about myself rather than feeling like I was – anyway, I felt guilty and like a failure. And so I, even that was coming up for my healing. Right. You know, uh, so whatever meaning we each sign to it is the meaning we give it. And I am really clear that I asked for it and received it exactly as I asked and that so much came up that it really kicked my motivation into gear to go back to the basics and do the forgiveness letters and do the divine experiment. I mean, to do the things, the small steps that you encourage these all to take, to do them again and again, and it will pay off. Yeah. It's just not enough to know about it. It's not enough to have an intellectual understanding. I know everybody's heard me say that a billion times. But the ego mind constantly interferes and says, well, you know that. You know that. So you don't have to sit down and do the forgiveness work. Because you, you already know your judgments are meaningless. So you don't, you don't have to actually release them because you already know they're meaningless. At least that, that yes. was my experience. Yes, and and then I think the huge shift came for me also with being willing to say I love you to the signpost and I love you to my daughter and I love you to the food I'm eating and the water that I drink and just saying I love you and then I get went back to the basic of I give everything all the meaning it has for me and wow, that's that very first lesson. Nothing I see means anything. Oh, wait, I get to write love on it. And I am stunned with how medicinal it is for my soul to just say, I love you. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, you know, it's the same thing for me. I, um, when I find, oh, <laughs> to use my 
often used example when the drawer won't close and it feels like, oh, come on, what's happening here with this drawer? Um, that I can just relax and go, I love you to the drawer. Just like before I would go, I hate you to the drawer. Yeah, exactly. And and I I find the same thing to be true. Things absolutely change in form right before my eyes. And I just laugh now. I mean, it's mm. just it's silly. And I also find myself not only saying I love you, but uh, I bless you. And I know that I'm always moving smoothly, easily, and effortlessly as I stay in the flow of divine love. And that that part of my contract has helped me so much when... I lose something or uh, my telephone wire is tangled in my pocket. <laughs> I mean, just these silly things yeah. that left us, used, I think, the river of misery or something. It's like all these little things that seem to be upsetting begin to melt away. And, in fact, <laughs> my grandson this morning said to me he woke up with a bad dream, and my grandchildren are responding now to what I'm doing with so much love, they're hugging me all the time. And I know it's because I'm generating love. I'm letting the love that we are shine through. And and he said to me this morning, I made him some toast, and he said, will the butter you put on help as it melts and just melt that dream away? And I said, yes. I mean, it was so simple. It was so precious. Letting all these upsets melt away gently. Right. And they can when we're willing to see them for what they are. They're an interruption in our field of love. They are a delaying tactic. They are. And I found very helpful to also simply say over and over, I don't know what this is for. Yeah. I just don't know. And so... It's only when I think I know what it's for that I get upset. And if I'm upset, I know I've made the wrong decision. Yes. So we keep practicing and practicing until we get it, and then we practice with more joy. Exactly. But we don't stop. Right, and more trust and faith. Because we already know. I mean, we're building, we're reading out of a new book now. I had the old book, and the old book had a lot of false statements in it. Now I'm reading out of a new book, and I'm putting in new stories and new miracles, moment by moment, in direct relationship to my willingness to see them. And each aha experience now is coming more quickly, and uh, it's, uh, it is a relief, and I also enjoy the challenge of knowing what else I have yet. I, I checked in on the evening news last night. I don't listen to the news at all. And I checked in on the evening news, and I just found myself laughing because there was fear all the way through from beginning to end, whether it be the, in Superbug or the politics or the weather. And I thought, oh, well, i got to go do some work. So I just turned and left and went and did some work about all the things there that I was projecting and enjoyed it. Mhm. 
hey Lydia, do you have anything you'd like to add about your practice and uh, that uh, you'd like to share with us? Anything you're learning from it? Any difference that it's making in your life? Um, yeah, I think this week. So last the uh, week before, I was um, noticing all those excuses, and this week I noticed them and I changed them. Like um, in something positive, actually. For example, if I have to do something and I first I had the excuse I don't like to do that, for example. Mm-hmm. Now I say, oh, okay, I have to do that, and it's gotta be wonderful or something like that. You know, I like to do it. <laughs> you know, uh-huh. so let's see what what it's going to bring me. You know, so I the excuse that I always had and I change it to something positive actually so yeah it's uh, it makes that I do more things with more joy actually (laughs) so yeah beautiful more joy are you feeling more energy more yes also Mm -hmm. because all those excuses it was bringing me down, actually, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. all those procrastination. And now I think, okay, if I want to do something or I have to do something just in the household or so, yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> it's it feels lighter when you, when it's more fun to do. Yes, yes. Beautiful. Thank you. Yes, thank you both. Anybody like to chime in here, ask a question, or share anything? This is Sally. I've been away in the UK for five weeks, and I would just like to say that I'm aware of things just sort of falling into place as they meant to. There was one day when I was driving with my sister, and she said, oh, we went the wrong way. This is the way my mother, our mother used to go, but I meant to go a different way. Anyway, we carry along driving this narrow road, and there's a sign for an ice cream garden. And my sister said, oh, would you like to go there? And I said, oh, no, no. And then a few, just moments later, I said, oh, yes, why not? And it was almost as if you know, something maybe changed my mind. So we went to this ice cream garden, and I felt that it was my mother, you know, she took us on the wrong street in the first place, so we came across <laughs> this ice cream garden, and then I was negative about it, but changed my mind as if my guardian angel tapped me on the shoulder and said, no, no, you'd like to go. And we had this delightful, it was a delightful garden to sit and have ice cream, so it was a nice experience to feel this intuition or, you know, being guided. Yes. Well, you know, the ego doesn't like us to change our mind. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, because then it can be interpreted as a sign of weakness. <laughs> right? Right. And I remember in um, when I read Gandhi's autobiography, he said that at one point a journalist asked him, uh, said to him, Hey, Gandhi, you just said blah, 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 
and uh, three months ago you said the direct opposite. Which is it? Are you? Why are you changing your mind? And he said, well, I have had new information and insight around this. And it would be, uh, I'd be a poor leader if I didn't change my mind and let people know. Mm-hmm. And I remember that really struck me. I, I read that when I was probably 25 years old or something. And I thought, wow, that that's an authentic person, that, especially for a, a leader to be able to admit publicly he's either he was wrong or misinformed or something before. And I know for me, my ego would rather have uh, really just about cut off my nose to spite my face rather than admit, oh, there's new information, I was wrong, or... I can see now there's a better way. I just would have absolutely stuck to my imperfect way or my unhappy way. And I love now that I can change my mind and say, oh, yeah, no, that's a better idea. Let's do that. Or that's oh, that sounds like more fun. Let's do that. Yes, and the Spirit will guide us to the higher thing if we're open to it. So that's a perfect example of being open in the moment. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> and then there was another occasion where uh, we were going up to Cambridge on the bus and we had to change at Victoria. And we got off the bus and then I looked for coins for the bathroom and there was my purse left on the bus. And the bus had gone. So oh, wow. panic. Right. But I went to Ho'oponopono and I just kept saying it and before we had to get our new uh, the next bus, I had got my purse back. Wow! It was it was a miracle. Yes, I have things like that happen to me all the time, just exactly like that. Mhm. That's beautiful. That's a beautiful example. Did you feel panicked in the moment, or did you feel assured? that you would find it? Well, initially I was panicked, um, uh, but uh, I think that this, everything that happens happens for my highest and best good is my sort of mantra that I say every morning, and I think that always seems to be there to remind me just to, just to keep going. But, I, you know, obviously the adrenaline was running high, and I was running around in the bus... Uh, station in the amongst the buses looking for the driver and so on and so forth but there were helpful people and it all worked out beautifully mm-hmm. nice nice to have you back thank you <laughs> anybody else like to share or ask a question pose a challenge This is Kazi. I'd like to ask a question. Mm-hmm. It goes along with this. Um, on your um, your uh, A Course in Miracles this week on um, Unity Radio, you talked about giving up all. You know, one day you decided to give up all. You know, anything, any judgment, any opinion, and doing a lot of forgiveness. 
And so I, and how all these little things would just come up. And I've really noticed that in myself. And so I was thinking some of the times I do forgiveness letters, but other times I just do um, hono, pono, pono. If it's small, and does it really matter? Is my question kind of. Should you do, like, like, oh, well, maybe I should be doing a forgiveness letter for every single one of these. <laughs> but I'm not sure. Some of them seem small and they actually go, I mean, they just come up and they're kind of gone. Right, right. Well, let's see what other people have to say. How do you decide whether or not to do uh, a forgiveness letter or use some other tool? How do you decide? I think the thing that I would say is how long does it last? You know, you can do the Haopono immediately, and if you know, at the end of the day you're still dwelling on it and it's still a major thing, then something a little bit out, some more well, of forgiveness letter maybe would help. Yeah, Th- that's what I would say is. If it releases right away, because right away, we as soon as we notice we're feeling perturbed or bothered or whatever uh, we might describe the emotion to be, as soon as we discover that, we can start with the Ho'oponopono. We may not have time to do a letter right then. So, uh, but if it, if the agitation persists, the divine alarm clock keeps going off, then there's something deeper there to be released. And uh, w- what I find is it's, it's the, the forgiveness letter, it's helpful to get to that ultimate perception that we have, uh, whatever that ultimate judgment is, the false belief is, that is generating the sense of hurt or feeling lost, feeling um, helpless, and uh, getting to that, is the fastest way to eliminate the cause working through all those emotions but a lot of times it's not necessary but that's that's what i would say is if it persists then use the forgiveness letter that's helpful thank you mhm anybody else want to share anything about that Mary Christine, mm-hmm. yes. <clears throat> Yesterday, I went to go talk to the mechanic about my car, which has been in the shop since um, May 7th, 8th. And um, it's a transmission thing, so it went out to another person who does transmissions, and I've been calling, 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 the guy, even my mechanic, even called the man and, oh, it's this part or that part. Well, it finally came to fruition yesterday that it was um, my transmission is so trashed that they have to get another one, rebuild it, and put it in. Okay. So I got in the car and I go, I'm not going to do a spiritual bypass. I'm really I said a few foul words and knew that every single word that I spoke was going out as a ripple in the universe and said immediately, 
that this is not what I want, I am still going to accept those feelings. I'm still going to recognize the fact that I'm angry about this situation. And my ultimate goal is, excuse me, forgiveness. Forgiveness is where I'm going to be. Forgiveness of myself, forgiveness of these people, the person who's doing the transmission that I don't even know, I don't know his life, I don't know anything about him. Forgiveness is where I'm going to be ultimately. And the grace was that I didn't do spiritual bypass. I let the anger be there. And then it went to a couple of tears of whatever, just tears. And I knew I, I got a bus. I got on the bus. Thank goodness that Long Beach has a wonderful bus system. I got on the bus, and uh, before I even got on the bus, I saw all these wonderful, beautiful beings and realized that this is, this is, this is part of my life. This is part of my mission. Maybe it's my smile. Maybe it's my grace. Maybe it's all those things. And by the time I got home, the forgiveness was almost completely done. I didn't need a forgiveness letter because I knew forgiveness was what I was going to be because I know that every word, every action that I do ripples out into the cosmos and it is so important for me to never let a ripple go out that is not loving and kind. So, yeah, and... I do want to say something about excuses. You could have, anyone could have said, Christine, you're giving yourself the excuse to be upset about this. No, I didn't give myself the excuse to be upset about this. I was actually just allowing the thoughts that came through me that were upset, that were including foul words that were there, I allowed them to be knowing that the goal was forgiveness because that's all that's all I think of is forgiveness. Forgiveness of my part in it, forgiveness of whoever, whoever else's part in, is in it, and forgiveness. That's it. So that's my contribution. And how do you feel about it now? How do you feel about it now? Uh, I don't care now. It's God's time. I'll get my car. Oh, the guy said, my mechanic said, oh, yeah, well, he's going to rebuild it, and it'll be done in two, three days. Well, we're coming up on the four-day weekend, and I know that's not true. He was just being kind. (laughs) to say that it'll be done and I forgave him for lying to me because a lot of people have been lying to me lately and it's okay and it's that next week probably I'll get my car back and here's my ideal I do the venerable thing every morning I wake up and I see the ideal is I have the most perfectly running car I do 
I have the most perfectly running car. So, yeah. yeah. So, I take the bus. And I'm walking more. I used to, I was such a, I'm an athlete. I was such a, an athlete. I, I ran, I walked, I hiked, I whatever. And in the last year and a half, I haven't done any of that. And so now I'm walking. I like walking. Oh, my gosh. Then I can see the flowers. Then I can see the birds. Then I can see everything. Yes, I do hear the cars running by. It doesn't matter anymore. I do know I'm on God's mission. God's mission to just be who I am. And who I am is a person who can smile even though she might be upset about one thing. It doesn't matter. It's not the entire part of my being. It's just a small part of it. It sounds really healthy. Yeah. Yeah. Looking for the lemonade. The wet. The lemonade. I'm sorry, I don't exactly know what that word means. Lemonade? Lemonade, yes. Yeah. Sorry. Oh, when life hands you lemons, make lemonade? Oh, lemonade. Oh, yes. Yeah, being the lemonade. Yes, <laughs> you're correct. Yeah. Well, I'm glad to hear it. I do want to say something else. It's about the last time we spoke about the death of my friend, and you asked me about resurrection and what could I say about it. I really didn't have much to say. Although now, oh my goodness, I see that out of the ashes of some really, a really relationship with this person. I've gotten so many healings and I'm not talking about her. I'm only talking about me. And I have been resurrected from so many different aspects of that relationship and not only that relationship other things about my life. It's just that um, there is an opening uh, that I'm taking and opportunities that I'm seeing and I am being resurrected from the ashes of the old. And that, to me, is resurrection. That's right. Yes. Yes, it is. That's what you're choosing. And that's what I was choosing when I was in the car. A a person gave me a ride to the gas station where I get my car fixed and have been for four years. I knew immediately that I was in a place where I could go to this 
spiritual bypass where I could say, I don't know what anything is for. All things are uh, for my good. And right this minute, I feel angry, very angry. I'm pissed off. And I do know that my goal is forgiveness. So there was no thinking of what you talked about last time about spiritual bypass. I truly did not do it. I just let it be, knowing that it was going to be forgiveness was my ultimate goal, and it was going to be a matter of whatever it took to get to the forgiveness. And the forgiveness took, what, maybe two hours? And then, naturally, last night, I did more forgiveness, and that was it. Yes, the weeding of the garden. Yeah, Yeah, and and accepting the fact that at the moment that weed seems to be really deep and you have to use a trowel to get the sucker out. Yeah. Getting it by the root. Yep. Did you learn anything about the root cause here? The root cause of which? The upset about your car. Or your friend. Yes. Yes. It was the trust and faith. I knew. It all had to do with the trust and faith. But I knew, I knew ultimately that everything was okay. Everything is for my greatest good. I knew that at the moment it was very upsetting. And the trust and faith, I even had that right in my mind when I was being upset and I was saying the bad words. I didn't say very many, which I'm so thankful for. Even when I was saying the bad words, I knew the trust and faith that, yeah, everything's good. It's all good. All right. It's okay, honey. Just go ahead. And if you feel like you have to say some bad words about this situation, then you just go ahead and say them and know that you're going to go to the ultimate goal of forgiveness because I don't know anything else. I don't know anything else but forgiveness. Yes. Infinite patience brings immediate results and forgiveness brings a clearing. I'm amazed all the time, even still, that when I can relax my mind, surrender the judgments, have no judgments, not know what anything is for, that things that appear to be unfolding take a 180-degree turn. Yeah. 
for my good. And I've really come to see that there is a script that is being played out. And as you've heard me talk about in my video game theory, that I'm the one that decides, and I'm, am I going to try to break down the wall, jump over the wall, go a different route? I'm the one that decides that in the moment. And the fact is, like Karen was saying earlier, we're all going to get there in the end. What route do we want to take? Do we want to take the route where we... <laughs> burn our way there or where we glide. We rise above everything and ride on a magic carpet. Or do we That's want... very interesting mm -hmm. to say that, Jennifer, because I felt like I was on a magic carpet. Mm -hmm. I felt like I knew that the anger was there and I was not going to deny it. And I knew the goal, and I was on the magic carpet so that I could get to the goal. Mm -hmm. You know, it's when we're really present to the moment, present to our feelings, present to what's going on, present to the, the thoughts and the words that are coming up, that we can have such learning. And then we can turn right around and share that learning with other people. So there's a tendency to escape the present moment, but it's in the present moment that we can have discovery and then we can turn around and be truly helpful. And it's in the present moment, correct, and it is in the present moment that we can acknowledge the fact that this is an angry situation, this is an upset situation, and I know the ultimate goal is where I'm going because I am on the path of ascension. And not only that, I'm just on the path of forgiveness, forgiveness of the whole situation. I know I'm going there. I, it's just in the moment I have this upset. And that is trust and faith also because I know, because I trust, and I have faith in what I'm doing, my path, that this upset is going to be dissipated, resolved, dissolved, cleared, and, and become something gracious. Indeed. Something beneficial. Thank you. Anybody else like to share? All right. Anybody? So let's talk about the fourth temple, which is the uh, Temple of the Ascension. And so we're talking about the fourth initiation. It says, and again, this is page 99 in the Sacred Flames book, from the third temple, the initiate moves into the fourth temple, the Temple of Ascension. This is the first personal contact 
that Serapis Bay has with the neophyte. For the first time, the candidate must draw forth enough purity to see his I am presence and his holy Christ self face to face. In the initiation, the master himself will stand within the aura of the initiate, presenting many negative imbalances which still exist within the inner bodies. This is when the candidate will hear many voices and only true discrimination, prayer, selflessness, and humility can discern the voice of the silence. It is the time when the self is shown the tricks of the ego and subtle appearance, appearances. The aspirant must apply himself to purify all past negative human creations and transform them into pure white radiance. So, and I will say, I feel that this is where I am in my process. I'm in this fourth temple of initiation. And what I'm noticing is exactly this. That uh, I'm noticing the subtle trips, tricks of the ego and the appearances. And so my dedication is to apply and purify everything that's coming up and to hold the purity of my being is permanent and noticing that everything that I might be thinking of that is judgmental or unkind towards myself or others is impermanent and has no power. Only love has power. And a few people in the class have asked me about uh, the Ascension Ceremony that I do. So I thought I could talk a little bit about that. There is, as I've mentioned, a booklet called The Ascension Flame of Purification and Immortality. And this booklet is uh, about 60 pages long. And it has uh, the information from this, some of the information from the Seven Sacred Flames book, uh, and uh, about 50% of the content of this booklet is not in the Seven Sacred Flames and is about actually having a sacred ceremony for ascension. And it tells how to create a ceremony and what you'll need. Now, I, I would like to say that I I have done the, the the ceremony with groups many times, and I do it myself on a daily basis. I've been doing it every day for quite a while now, and uh, I find that it's very helpful. It does not take a long time. Ten minutes is plenty. Sometimes I'll t take a half an hour. It just depends on what I'm feeling like that day. And there are different components to uh, what Aurelia has written here that is needed for the ceremony. And I do encourage everyone to get this booklet and to read the booklet. 
um, what I think is important is to understand that when we're doing sacred ceremony, it's about being sacred in our heart. And it's less about the particulars. So, for instance, uh, one of the things that uh, is part of the ceremony is having a crystal. To me, the crystal is very important to magnify, to multiply the energetic of the ceremony. But is it absolutely necessary? It's not. I don't think so. Uh, some of the things that Aurelia has in uh, her ceremony is having a box of Kleenex, <laughs> uh, having uh, the um, a bottle of water for the facilitator if you're doing it for a group. I think it's great that she's got all these suggestions. Um, one of them is to part of the ceremony includes Mary Christine, I don't know if you can self-mute or not. If you have that ability, we're getting some noise on your line. Um, so she talks about using a bell. And um, I find that Tibetan bells can be, which is what she recommends, uh, though another type of bell is fine, uh, is uh, that, that can be a weight to me when I'm traveling. So I don't always carry that with me. And um, one of the things it talks about is laying a golden cloth on the chair. That, for me, is an important part of the ceremony. But I do the ceremony even if I don't have a golden cloth with me. I usually now travel with one. And what I did was I bought a golden tablecloth uh, from Amazon.com. And um, I've had other golden cloths that I've gotten from fabric stores. I think part of the fun of doing this kind of ceremonial work is collecting the pieces and having the sacred pieces. Um, one of the things that she doesn't talk about here is having a candle a white candle, or a smudging. And those are things that I like to do. But many times I'm in a hotel room where I can't do those things. So I don't. Um, she also talks about instead of a golden cloth, you can use an elegant material, a beautiful material. So I've made that substitute at times too. There are times when I've been staying in a place that doesn't have a chair. So I can't do my ascension ceremony on a chair. I have to do it on a bed or something else, an ottoman. I just ha use what I have. And uh, I don't get hung up on the exact instructions that uh, are being asked for because our intention is the main thing. Um, so there are sections to the Ascension Ceremony, and uh, they are 
that the first thing is to do uh, to really be in a dedication and she has a uh, form in the book and she calls it candidature request for ascension before 2012 and I think it's valuable to uh, to look at that obviously she she wrote that six years before 2012 so I think it's I carry that in my heart I didn't start doing ascension ceremony probably till I don't know 2007 or 8 um, the form that commitment that written commitment I think is really helpful so if you felt that it was your desire to do this with other people or just with yourself I would look at that as I have done and uh, many times I have, uh, as part of my ceremony, gone over that request for ascension. And so that's a, a precursor. So getting the, the place, the logistics, the accoutrement, if you will, having a, a chair that you can use, and coming to it with dedication when I many times most times when I've done ascension ceremony with a group I ask everybody to wear white and as part of our we're taking this as a sacred event this is very important to us this we're not doing casually and then it begins with an invocation. One person will lead the invocation, invoking the company of heaven and the masters to officiate the ceremony. And then to bless everyone involved. And I always bless all the people on this earth including mother earth every being every elemental every particle of life on this earth and then we have our own prayer that we make regarding our ascension and in the booklet as well as in the seven sacred flames book there are many prayers I love the ones in the ascension booklet and there are many times when I will do the ceremony myself and I will read all the prayers plus make my own prayer I um, sometimes I'll do ascension ceremony for an hour at a time I really enjoy doing it and then to follow the ceremony with what she calls the golden liquid light elixir where you hold a cup of I just use water you could use she suggests using like sparkling apple juice or something like that I, I just use water uh, sometimes I've used tea and um, asking that that liquid be turned into a golden liquid light elixir that is transformative to the whole being
including the body temple. And for the purpose of purification and raising our vibration, during the actual ceremony itself, by doing it in this way, we're invoking Master Saint Germain to place what uh, you may have read about in some of uh, the books that I've suggested, the um, atomic accelerator under the chair and to raise our vibration to act in a sense like the vial of flame cleansing and clearing and healing. And so it's very vibrationally healing and expansive. And what she talks about in her books, I've read it in others, Master Saint Germain will adjust the atomic accelerator to the perfect amount for you so that you would never be accelerated beyond your capacity to tolerate. One thing that we can sometimes do is our ego is driving our acceleration, and so we're looking to have some kind of acceleration that's really beyond our capacity to hold, and sometimes people have uh, real agitation, and um, they cause themselves some learning, unpleasant learning through trying to heal or raise their vibration too quickly because the ego is driving that experience. So I always just invite the masters to lead and direct and guide me in everything. Remember that that ego driving the ascension process is when uh, just another trick of the ego. And we can notice any judgments we have about the path of awakening we're on, how well we're doing, comparing ourselves to other, that's all ego tricks. And so knowing it's perfect is important. One of the things that I say at the beginning of my ceremony and during my ceremony is, Beloved, I am. I declare that I am worthy of my ascension in the light. And what I noticed for a long time was every time I said, Beloved, I am, I declare that I am worthy of my ascension in the light. There would be a thought, am I really worthy? I'm not worthy. Am I really worthy? So that declaration has really helped me to trigger those thoughts and say, Yes, I am worthy. All are worthy. We are worthy of our divinity. We are worthy of our ascension in the light. We are worthy of our divine destiny. So I'm not going to go into the ceremony in any more detail than that right now. I'd rather have you read the Ascension Flame of Purification and Immortality booklet by Aurelia and bring questions from having read it. So that said, does anybody want to, would anybody like to share anything? I'd like to share. I was going to share and then 
um, my phone cut out, but so I guess I wasn't supposed to share that. But um, but I have so because so I asked you if I could do it while I was in North Carolina, right? And I've been waiting for. It seems like I've been choosing to wait for people to show up to do it, and so that asking you and realizing that you do it on your own by yourself. In, in groups, but by yourself every day, and I'm like, that was a whole big realization for me, and it really sh- showed me something, and then when I went there, I I kind of released, I didn't, I wanted to plan what I was going to say, but I intentionally didn't think about it, and actually, <laughs> I actually at one time thought that Maybe it wasn't going to happen because time. And then it was all releasing there, too. And then I just let it go. And then it happened. And then um, I noticed while I was doing it, because I didn't think about what I was going to say, I just wanted to speak from the heart. And I spoke from the heart very strongly for, like, I don't know, not very long, 20, 30 seconds. And then... I didn't know what to say, and I felt like I had to say more. And then when I did, it was it was about it was negative stuff about releasing blocks, and and it was just it was interesting. When I spoke from the heart, I felt it was really clear. And when I didn't, it was so different. And so the whole thing was. Um, eye-opening for me because I think I still do that. I do that all the time where I speak like yesterday in the class uh, of my teacher. And I'm like, I realize we're we're all teachers. We're all teachers. Whether we're doing what you do, we're doing it by how we are in the world. So, um, I don't know. It's just, um, I just want to say that I'm so grateful for that Um happening and realizations, the many, many, many realizations that are coming to me, even though I do forget sometimes <laughs> how grateful I am, mm. but, uh, um, but I remember, I do always return to that, remembering how grateful I am, and so um, I guess that's that's all I want to say. Mm. Beautiful. Hi. I I also, Mary Christine, I have the booklet um, from Aurelia. Mm-hmm. And the Ascension Ceremony itself seems daunting to me. Um, what you spoke about really was um, helpful for me. And I would like to ask a question, and that is that what if when I drink my water in the morning, my holy water that I have blessed through the night, and I do my meditation, and then what about if I just use the water and then go into some of the prayers? Don't you think that's good enough? Or do... Or, or is it something that is 
that I'm missing? I I think doing it as a ceremony rather than just prayers is valuable. That's my feeling. And I use a different water because then I have more blessed water. Uh-huh. But we don't need the chairs on either side of us and all those things because you said you do it sometimes from a bed because that's where you are. Mhm. Yeah, that's what I was saying. Uh-huh, exactly. Do you have a contribution basket? I, I mostly do it by myself, so I don't. And I, I haven't done it when I've done it with a group, because I, every time I've done it with a group, it was with folks in Masterful Living. Mm-hmm. So, being very clear, you mean invocation. Oh, I think we lost you. Hello? Oh, there you are. Mm-hmm. So you do the opening invocation. I do. The golden light elixir. I do the opening invocation. Just like I said, I do the opening invocation, and then I do my own prayer work, which sometimes is five minutes, sometimes it's 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I do the golden elixir. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. And then the prayer beyond the 2012 one. Then do you do the prayers afterwards, or as you choose, you do prayers that speak to you? So I first I do the invocation and then I do all the prayer work and then I do the elixir. Okay. Thank you. Yeah, you're so welcome. All right. Well, I am going to say a prayer and close this out and uh, I'm going to play a song as well. So let's take that breath of love and gratitude together and open our heart and open our mind to our ascension, to walking as our ascended selves, to living as the perfect love that we already are. So grateful and so thankful to open our hearts and minds to infinite intelligence, the perfect joy revealing itself in our awareness. We are grateful and we are thankful to allow ourselves to awaken. We are worthy of our ascension. We are worthy of all manner of assistance, known and unknown, seen and unseen, felt and not felt. We are worthy of the light that we already are. We are grateful and thankful to share the benefits of our choosing our ascension and awakening. We are worthy of our ascension in the light. In gratitude, we let it be. And so it is. Amen. Amen, amen. And the song I'm going to play today 
is one that uh, I got from Jesse Brune. It's a version of Bridge Over Troubled Water with Mary J. Blige and uh, Andrea Bocelli. Andrea Bocelli. And um, Bridge Over Troubled Water, it just feels like it reminds me of that rainbow bridge that Spirit is always building for us. So I love to think of it as uh, a song from God to us. Enjoy. God bless you. Have a wonderful holiday weekend. For those of you who are in the States celebrating Memorial Day holiday, and uh, next time I speak with you, I will be in Greece. I love you. Se hai paura Piangere 